and welcome back to the Past and Present Podcast. This is your host, Kim Groves, hoping you've been having a wonderful weekend. I also hope you had a chance to explore our article on uh, Noah's Ark, about the worthiness of, of conducting a search for Noah's Ark. And one thing I, I really enjoy doing is selecting my archaeology topics. And I, I gotta say, sometimes um, I, I like to go outside biblical archaeology and look at different other, other types of archaeology from other areas. And I think there are times when it's appropriate to exit out of biblical archaeology into other archaeology of the region because it does kind of all feed back into uh, the Holy Land. Like I remember uh, we talked about the Hyksos and we talked about Hatshepsut. So I, I you know, may even bring them into this discussion because it, it does have some biblical bearing. Uh, today, we are going to continue on with our Sermon on the Mount uh, piece, and we're going to continue, um, we're going to continue on, and we're going to talk about murder and anger, and our um, topic today uh, is actually kind of really close to my heart, because I do have a tendency to get angry, uh, righteously and unrighteously. I'm not going to say I'm sit here and say I'm perfect. I am not perfect. Um, but I do get angry, uh, just to ask any of my friends, my family, uh, that I, I will blow my stack every so often. Um, and I, I try not to do it often and I really have gotten a lot better as I like to say, I'm always working on myself. So, um, I'm aiming for perfection. I don't know I'm going to get there, but I'm doing the best I can just stick with me. So... Uh, today, our, our topic on earth, murder and anger from the Sermon on the Mount is coming from chapter 5, Matthew chapter 5, verses 21 through 26. So I'll go ahead and read it, and um, we have a page turn in here, so please bear with me as I move through our talk. Ye have heard it said, I'm sorry, ye have heard that it was said unto them of the old time, Thou shalt not kill, for whosoever killeth shall be culpable of judgment. But I say unto you, whosoever is angry with his brother unadvisedly shall be culpable of judgment. And whosoever saith unto his brother Raka shall be, shall be worthy to be punished by the council. And whosoever shall say fool shall be worthy to be punished with hellfire. If then thou bring thy gift to the altar, and there rememberest that thy brother hath aught against thee, leave there thine offering before the altar, and go thy way. First be reconciled to thy brother, and then come and offer thy gift. Agree with thine adversary quickly, while thou art in the way with him, lest thine adversary deliver thee to the judge, and the judge deliver thee to the sergeant, and thou be cast into prison. Verily I say unto thee, thou shalt not come out thence, till thou hast paid the utmost farthing. So it's interesting, uh, the first two verses, 21 and 22, actually uh, conf uh, equalize two very different things. They, they equalize murder and anger. So uh, Jesus illustrates uh, the, our right, the way our righteousness is to exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees through a series of contrasts. The first concerning murder and anger. And, and we've talked about how Jesus always says, it has been said, or you have heard. He's actually... Um, going back to the traditional interpretation and application concerning the Sixth Commandment. The Sixth Commandment is thou shalt not kill. So uh, it has, uh, the traditional view was that had been taught by the traditions of the elders. 
and that Jesus is referring to such is in his view of his preparatory remarks. You have heard of this. You have heard it said. He's referring to an oral tradition rather than written law. And one of the, the interesting things is that we have codified law, which means our laws are written down and there's not word of mouth kind of law. And whether you agree with laws or not, at least they're written down. So when I get pulled over by a police officer for speeding, he, he says, well, the, the, I've heard the judge say that the speed limit, uh, the, the fine for going five miles over the limit is this. No, it's actually written down what the fine is for going five miles over the limit. So uh, again, all, all law is written down. Judges write opinions or issue verdicts um, in, in trials uh, in, in the Supreme Court or even in some of the higher level courts in the state and federal level. The justices and judges write their opinions. Okay, so they're based in law and, and they're not just pulling their opinion out of their head. They're, they're basing it on their interpretation and reading of certain laws, statutes, and other cases. So uh, we have written law, not, not verbal law. So these verbal traditions had like, were likely had been accepted by the scribes and Pharisees. And again, words get twisted over time. People misinterpret things. They mishear things. They misunderstand things. So oral traditions, while they are good, are not always the best. Now, the traditional interpretation of the Sixth Commandment was as such. It, it's seen in the phrase, whoever murders will be in danger of the judgment. So, honestly, the term judgment in this case obviously refers to the local courts of their day. Just as today, you commit a crime, you are in, in um, danger of being judged. Um, so, this interpretation may sound fine, but eventually it did not, go, but evidently it did not go far enough in how the law should have been interpreted. So, remember, we're talking about heavenly affairs here. We're not talking about secular affairs or earthly matters. We're talking about heavenly affairs. And when we're talking about that, we have to remember there's there's another judgment that's got to be meted out, and that's the judgment in the last days. So when we when we kind of circle this all back to the the teaching of Jesus, the teachings of Jesus and the kingdom of righteousness, Jesus applies the sixth commandment as the law originally intended. And it's taught elsewhere in the law. So not only is the actual act of murder wrong, obviously, but also the emotions which lead to murder, which may lead to murder. Anger, as uh, so for example, in um, Proverbs 6, um, so let me flip back to there. Uh, Proverbs 6, verses 16 through 19. These six things doth the Lord hate, yea, his soul abhorreth seven, the haughty eyes, a lying tongue, and the hands that shed innocent blood, an heart that imagineth wicked enterprises, feet that be swift in running to mischief, a false witness that speaketh lies, and him that raiseth up contentions among brethren. 
So honestly, God tells us, um, Jesus is telling us, we just can't avoid killing somebody. That, 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 that is wrong. But we need to avoid the anger and the feelings that can lead to us possibly committing a murder. Um, and so we, we throw around the expression, oh, I'm so angry I could kill him. Well, that's wrong. That, that, that having that emotion, I'm not invalidating feelings here. I'm invalidating the, the idea that, that God rejects us when we have the kind of anger that can lead us to doing more violent acts. Um, and I, uh, so the original intention of the law was not just to punish the action of murder, but also to punish the emotions that lead to that, that direction. Because you just don't wake up one morning and decide you're going to kill somebody. You, there's something that happens. There, there's, there's an emotion that has to happen unless you're a pure unadulterated psychopath. There's emotion there that needs to be reconciled. So not only the hands that shed innocent blood, an abomination, but also a heart that devises wicked plans and one who sows discord among brethren. So again, those, those divisive actions are also abhorrent to God. So it's not just actions, it's emotions and feelings and subtleties that we do. And a heart, you could say a heart that devises wicked plans is, is an action. But again, this is talking more of an emotional aspect and one who sows discord among brethren. Again, while sowing is an action, we're actually referring to uh, behavior, to feelings that, you know, you have a, some, you're feeling, as somebody says, some type of way towards somebody, and you decide that you're going to go out and poison other people's minds against that person. And that in it, that is, that is wrong. That is the same God, Christ, Jesus equates that to the same level as actually committing murder because you're, you're assassinating someone's soul, their character, their spirit. And that is the, that's leveling up. So those actions, those words, those behaviors that could potentially lead to the violent act of murder are in the law, in, in the, the kingdom of righteousness, just as bad as the actual activity of murdering someone. So this being true, so we know this is all true. This being true, the law should have been interpreted and applied accordingly. So they, they shouldn't have just been looking at, oh, this one killed this person and let's punish him. They should also be punishing <clears throat> the emotions and the actions that led to person A killing person B. And that, that mo emotion and action can actually happen on both sides because we know that nine times out of ten, we are provoked to anger. Whether we are provoked by a behavior, whether we're provoked by a word, whether we're just provoked, we somebody or something does something to us to provoke a, a visceral anger response within us. And for, for me, it's, it's dealing with teenagers. I mean, I love them to death. I, they're, they're amazing. 
But sometimes they provoke an anger in me because I just don't understand how little humans can be that hard-headed. And then I look at myself in the mirror and I realize where they get it from. It's, but you need to imagine the idea that the provocation can be two-sided. Now, ultimately, we are responsible for our own action. So when A goes out and kills B, it's totally on A because A made the decision to, to bump it up a notch. But we have to understand that somehow along the way, there was some kind of provocation, unwarranted or not. Okay, so I'm not talking about, you know, uh, pe there is unwarranted provocation. Uh, people just existing, for example, is, is a good example. Um, you know, uh, uh, people who have problems with their exes, their ex-boyfriends, ex-girlfriends, ex-spouses. Um, people who have problems with their coworkers or their old bosses. Again, that's, that's just the fact that those people existed. Or it's, it has nothing to do with the fact that those people did anything to those people. So, again, the action, Jesus is telling us, not only should the scribes and Pharisees been punishing the actual act, they should also be punishing on the feelings and the emotions and the provocations that led to the action of committing murder. So, um, in Matthew 5.22, Jesus uh, applies and interprets the law accordingly. So one who is angry with his brother without a cause should be in, in danger of the judgment, the, i.e. the local courts uh, through Palestine, which were normally reserved for pr uh, cr common criminals. And one who says to his brother Raka, Raka is roughly translated means blockhead, should be in danger of counsel, uh, i.e. the Sanhedrin which was the high court normally reserved for special criminals. Now, what do these two things have in common? Calling um, angry with your brother without a cause and calling your brother a blockhead. <coughs> so what are the similarities with these two things? The similarities are they are minor, in our view, behaviors that can lead to major problems down the road. So... In God's eyes, no sin is minor. Sin is sin. We've all, I think a lot of us have heard that expression. Sin is sin. So we can't just um, say, well, that's just a minor thing. No, in, in Jesus's mind, in God's mind, sin is sin. Every sin is equal. The murder is on the same, uh, calling your brother a, a blockhead is the same thing as committing a murder. And that's a spiritual take. That is not an earthly take. Our earthly take says, well, that's not too bad. No, in heaven, heavenly terms, being angry with your brother without a cause, calling him a blockhead, just being ignorant is the same as actually committing a murder because all sin is sin. There is no degrees of sin. It's what I used to tell kids when I taught I, um, and they would hear the bell ring, the, the late bell ring, and they're actually supposed to be in class. And then they hear the bell start to ring and they start taking off down the hall. And I'm standing in the doorway, you know, getting ready to go in and teach my classes. 
and I would tell the kid, just walk. There's not degrees of lateness. And so it's the same idea. There's not degrees of sin. It's all sin. Now, one who says, you fool, should be in danger of hellfire. Uh, it is the place, obviously, of everlasting torment. Um, uh, there are always jokes that say, well, that would be my workplace. Well, I like where I work. You know, I, I'm my own boss, and, and you know, most of my employees are happy with me. Um, in this way, the traditional interpretation and application of the law fell far short of what it should have been. In other words, the scribes and Pharisees and the Sanhedrin and the courts were only punishing the directed action. They weren't punishing the actual feelings, which was actually what the law was supposed to do. The law, as handed to Moses, was completely designed to punish feelings and and the inward d destruction of ourselves that we were always in the process of doing. It wasn't just to punish the exterior things that happened, i.e. the murder, the theft, the slavery, anything like that. It was to punish and, and scorn the feelings inside of us that caused us to act externally. So in other words, the law is not just an externally applied thing. It has to be internally applied, and it never was. Maybe in the beginning it was, but as the centuries wore on, this was internally, this internal application of the law ceased to, to behave and it only became a, a punishment of the external result of the internal feelings. So the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees had just been condemning murderers when those with hateful emotions were just as guilty. So we've talked about this. So it, it, it's not about just condemning a murderer. It's about condemning those also with the hateful emotions. And the righteousness of the kingdom is in harmony with, harmony with the original intent of the law. So punishment of just the internal uh, conflicts within us and the external manifestations of that conflict are equally punishable under the law. So Jesus emphasizes the serious nature of such emotions by illustrating how they affect our relationships with God and man. So we can't be worshiping God when we are at odds with a brother. And, and I, I myself am, am kind of guilty at this at times. But um, I, I work th I'm working through it and I'm learning that I, have to, I can't be, you know, angry with my brother in Christ and, and still pretend worship because those two things are incompatible. So I need to work on repairing those strained relationships that I have with a brother. And, and I do that. I work on that on a daily. And I, I work and, and try to resolve those issues that I have with my, any, any brother that I have. And I, I'm going to admit to having a, a, a struggle with a, a sister in Christ. And, and it's all good. So, <clears throat> excuse me. Um, we should be quick to make amends lest our uncontrolled anger cause us to wind up in court or possibly prison. So now I, I have to admit my, my anger has not been that far that I'm going to end up in, in prison for it. But uh, but uh, I, I have admitted to being um, 
that angry. Let's see. Um, many hotheads have let their anger prompt them to do things that sent them to prison. Um, I can think of a number of people who have, have, have been sent to jail simply because they did something dumb that ended them in prison. But notice how those in the kingdom are to act. And we're going to turn to Romans 12, um, verses 18 through 21. Let's see, Romans 12, 18 through 21. Romans 12. So it says there, If it be possible, as much as in you is, have peace with all men. Dearly beloved, avenge not yourselves, but give place unto wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, saith the Lord. Therefore, if thine enemy hunger, feed him. If he thirst, give him drink. For in doing so, thou shalt heap, heap coals of fire upon his head. Be not overcome of evil, but overcome evil with goodness. So, in other words, we, we should not lash out. We should not give back spitefully. We should, in fact... Heap coals upon their head. Be kind. Be loving. When you see when you see that person who's offended you, go out of your way to be nice. And yes, it's hard. But by doing that, you're letting them know that you're living and walking in the spirit. And you are truly a child of the Most High God. So in the first contrast between the righteousness of the kingdom and the traditional treatment of the law... Jesus declared that the ancients did not go far enough in applying the law and illustrated how it should be applied by those seeking to surpass the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees. <clears throat> we have seen that the righteousness of the kingdom is actually in harmony with the law and the prophets. So again, we just need to, when we have an issue with our brother in Christ, we just need to say, okay, uh, I'm going to heap coals upon your head. I'm going to forgive you, and I'm going to do the right thing at all times and in all places. Well, I think that about sums us up for today. Uh, join us on, let's see, join us on Thursday when our topic will be if Noah's Ark was a sewn boat. I don't even want to think about the idea that Noah's Ark was sewn. Uh, so we're going to explore that topic. Uh, as always, I enjoy hearing from you. Please email me at kimg.pastandpresentpodcast at gmail.com. You can also find me on the Twitter machine at, at podcast underscore past and on Facebook at Rebirth Network and Rebirth Encouraged, also with a, with a purple heart between the words. Again, join us on Thursday. And until then, I encourage you to stay blessed and unstressed and unbothered by the rest. Have a great day.